Hey everyone, and welcome to season three of the show. This is your host, me, Matthew Kirby, and I can't believe we've come this far with our honest conversations, and we can't stop now. We are continuing to evolve and adjust to have those real conversations that we so desperately need. To my fans, thank you for your continued love and support of the show. To my first timers, hey y'all, thank you for joining us. We have some big changes on the horizon, ooh-wee, and I can't wait to spill the tea. In the meantime, in between time, thank you for listening and enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Honest Human Resources Podcast with your host, me, Matthew Kirby. And today is going to be a pretty cool, a pretty uh, interesting and dope episode. I've been uh, really interested to not only have this kind of topic, but really just bring continued awareness and just having this conversation surrounding, you know, women and finances and how that intersects with one another. For those of you all who aren't familiar, and shout out to my listeners, thank you all for supporting most of my audience are black women, you know, especially during those ages of, you know, 24 and 35. So, you know, I want to make sure that we talk about this and we have some good discussions. And so I am on this episode, y'all, I am giving you all, you know, two for one in a sense. We have two amazing guests and co-hosts today. They are both a part of Black Girl Finn Magic, and we're going to get into that shortly. But I want to introduce not only Tina, but also Brandy from Black Girlfriend Magic. How y'all doing? Doing wonderful. Thank you for having us. Good, good. And no, it's it's uh it's so I'll say it's so momentous in this particular episode because I usually have, you know, just me and one guest, but I was like, when Tina brought the idea of, of looping you in, Brandy, I was like, you know what, let's add Brandy in here and let's make this, <laughs> you know, one big one big powwow. So I'm, I'm loving it. So thank you for joining us, Brandy. Let's start with you. So as I even mentioned to you all before the recording, and I always say this to my audience, but normally I'll do my spiel and read a bio and all that good stuff, but let's switch it up. So Brandy, can you tell folks who may not be as familiar with yourself and especially the organization a little more about you? And then Tina, we'll do the same thing with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Matthew, for the opportunity to be on your show. Really uh, consider it a privilege to connect with your audience. So I am a financial counselor. I'm accredited as a financial counselor, and I've been working with families primarily uh, for years who are struggling with managing their budget. Um, In 2017, I went to a financial conference and as I was walking around and absorbing all of this great information and meeting new people, I realized that there were so many African-Americans, especially African-American women, who shared my love of personal finance, but yet I didn't know them. And so while talking with a good friend and mentor, Sandra Davis, she and I decided, you know, we need to kind of create an environment where everyone can come together and we can start collaborating and getting to know each other and networking. And so we put out an all call via the conference app and said, hey, brown skin girls, let's meet this date, this time. And we were overwhelmed by the attendance. 
so many women came out. And what I discovered was so many women who are in the personal finance space, especially women of color, shared my same feeling. We all did not know each other. And so we were really excited to connect and collaborate. And from that happenstance meeting began the organization, Black Girl Financial Magic, which is where I met Tina and she accepted the charge to join with me to help build a network and a community of women who are interested in collaborating and supporting each other. Nice. I love it. And no, that's, uh, that's such an interesting beginning. And it's funny kind of how like the, the world, how really small it is. And I'm glad you all had a chance to connect. So Tina, you know, tell everyone about, about yourself. Who, who is Tina? That's a long story we don't have time for. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in the short aspect, I'm a multi-passion entrepreneur. I have three different companies. Uh, I mainly focus as a business coach and mindset strategist. Um, but I'm also the CEO of Black Girl Fed Magic. And like Brandy said, it was actually my first time at this conference, FinCon, and I saw the invite and I showed up and I was like, man, there's so many of these women that I never knew that was interested in personal finance and business finance, just helping people with their money. And so I, after that meetup, we started a Facebook group and joined in. And with my background in nonprofits, I saw what Black Girl for Magic could be. So taking Brandy's vision and hopefully, hopefully growing it. And so now we have our Facebook community is over 350 members. Um, we also have a public group where not only our members teach the public, but we have people from the public who want to learn from them. So we're really excited about the engagement in both of those groups. And I just feel honored to be part of this process and watching this organization grow. Nice. And I know we'll get into this, you know, shortly when we get into the meat and potatoes of this, but I know you all uh, recently had a conference and I heard an amazing amount of good feedback and just really awesome stories on how that impacted the different folks that I at least spoke to that attended it and everything. But before we get into that, I normally ask my co-host, my host, anyone who's a guest on the show, you know, this is the standard question that I ask everyone. And Tina, I'm going to start with you on this one, and then we'll get to Brandy. But Tina, how are you a human resource? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> Brandy, Brandy gets some time to think about it now. <laughs> yeah, she does. I was like, man, I'm on the spot. Well, for me, a human resource, I've always known from a little kid that I was meant to help people in what aspect, I don't know. And now I know it's through coaching. And for me, I like to think I am an inspiration and motivation for people to empower themselves to be their best selves and go after their dreams. Okay. Okay. I like that. You know, that was kind of like, it kind of reminded me for like a hot second. It was kind of like, uh, like one of those like pageant answers. And then you should just end with like, you know, I want to save the world and you know, you do your wave and everything. And then the audience claps. So look, maybe one day, look, when I, when I get my hands on like a, a soundboard or something, when I hear certain kind of answers, I'm just going to like put the audience button noise in the background and we're just going <laughs> to cheer and it's just going to be this one big thing but no I love it <laughs> I love it Brandy how about you how are you a human resource one of the things I know is 
according to my Myers-Briggs personality type, I'm an architect. And so I'm a human resource because I like to build people. I like to support them in accomplishing their goals. And I like to support them by helping them think about their situation differently. So I'm a resource to humans in the sense that I uh, like to help them build the future of their dreams. I like it. I like it. No, I appreciate uh, both of those answers. And I, I think it really makes sense when we talk about, you know, all of the amazing things that Black Girl Financial Magic has done and will do moving forward. So I know earlier we talked about or we listened to, Brandy, you speaking about, you know, how this thing got started and, you know, what was that driving factor behind it. But just thinking about in the broader sense, you know, do you feel like or has it been apparent to you that there are a lot or different kinds of issues that women, particularly those of color, go through when we talk about mastering or having leverage in the financial space with their finances? OMG, yes. One of the biggest things that Tina and I talk about a lot is the divide between equity and wealth um, in multicultural communities. So white America has access to a long history of wealth, whereas black America does not share the same deep-rooted history of wealth. And so my personal opinion is one of the biggest obstacles that women of color face is a lack of equity in employment, a lack of equity in access to resources, and a lack of equity when it comes to funding. And this COVID-19 situation has really made that glaringly obvious because if you look at who has received funding support, financial support, it is disproportionate against African-American women. And also uh, African-American women tend to be head of households. And so when you are facing the, uh, the gap between income and wages and then trying to care for a family, you're going to find yourself in the middle of very unique circumstances, which is one of the things I absolutely love about Black Girl Financial Magic. We have an entire network of women of color who get it. They understand the struggle, and most of them, when they're working with their, with their clients, it's because they're coming from a place where they have walked the same journey. And so they have a different sort of empathy, and they have a different uh, approach to how they work with their clients because of the unique challenges that we face. And no, there's, there's so much, even when I think about that, and obviously I'm, I'm not a woman or anything like that. So, um, but to your point, just with us collectively, you know, being that we haven't had the same opportunities with, you know, generating wealth, with having access to it, you know, it's not like, you know, great grandfather, mama and auntie and them just passing down houses, trust funds, savings accounts, mm -hmm. all of that to really help us, you know, at least, you know, try to have a, a pretty decent start. Now, you know, it's a whole nother thing where things are passed down and then people squander it and spend it all or sell it. But that's a whole nother topic. So, you know, just thinking about that, um, I really feel that collectively, both men and women, especially as we're all minorities, Tina, how, how do you feel or what are your thoughts even in the space that collectively, yes, we're disadvantaged as black men, black women, et cetera, but do you feel like, or what's your take on, 
you know, are there differences even between, you know, men and women in this sense, even though we're facing the, the same kind of disadvantage? Do you feel like one is any in a better position than another? I wouldn't say one's in a better position than the other. I think for Black men and Black women, there's there's a lack in a sense of, how do I explain mm-hmm. this? On an emotional level, Black women have always had to work with the stigma of being a strong Black woman. We can't show any feelings. You know, we got to put our own needs aside to take care of our family. But there's also that same burden for, I feel like, the Black male who feels like they need to do the same thing financially for their family. And so there's that inner struggle, um, not only within our own culture of being this strong leader, while both sides are having issues. To me, Black women are a huge disadvantage because we do get paid less per dollar compared to a white male or even compared to a male. So there's that disparity in that sense. And then look at the statistics right now. There are more women in college with college university degrees right now. Um, The biggest growing demographic right now that's growing a small business is black women, but yet we can't get funding. Uh Mm -hmm. You know, to me, I don't think one has an advantage over the other. The only advantage I see is a black male will get slightly better pay at, a career or corporation than a black woman, but we're both going through some mm-hmm. kind of setbacks, both emotionally, right. mentally, and financially. Right. And you just, you just hit on so many points. I almost, you know, started taking notes for other episodes, but let me, let me break down some of this in the, in a sense. So, you know, just thinking about the wage disparities, cause that's a topic all in and of itself. How does that either habit, that mindset, or that idea that, you know, we as people aren't as open and transparent about what we make, how do you think that plays into some of these disparities? Because, you know, at least maybe maybe I'm in left field somewhere, you know, maybe I'm thinking, okay, we know that there's inequality, don't get me wrong, we, we know that, but why don't we promote more of a culture to be like, hey, you know, I made this and, you know, you're like 10 times better than me. So, you know, let's collectively work on, you know, how we're going to get more or, you know, hey, I only got my bachelor's, but you came out with a whole doctorate, you know, what's up with that? And why don't we, you know, tend to be more open and transparent in a sense of really sticking it to the man, for the lack of better words, and really fighting for those wages or those benefits or those bonuses or whatever the case may be. You know, why, why, why haven't we seen that as a parent? And Tina or Brandy, you, you could take a shot at it. Brandy, I'll let you go first because I have my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just kind of sitting here and I was like, do I want to give an academic answer or do I want to just... No. So- my first response to your question, and, and I, I am a little more on the academic side. So my first response to your question is the way our system is structured. America was built on rugged individualism. And so our society, our cultural society as Americans first starts with you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. 
we negate the conversation about who actually has boots and who has bootstraps. But everything starts with you doing it for yourself. And so I, I think that the way our institutions are set up, and with you having a, a background in human resources, you know that from an HR standpoint, it is highly discouraged for employees to talk about what their pay and their salaries are. And part of that is because the system is designed that if you don't know what I'm making, then the system is who benefits, not the individual. So I think that we do ourselves a disservice as individuals by not talking about these things, but most of us have not been in an environment where such conversations are encouraged. And so we tend to shy away from them. That's my first response as far as the system and the institution. My second response comes to deal with this whole mentality of crab in a barrel. We feel sort of entitled that we have arrived, that we have lost that uh, generational cultural linkage to reaching back and pulling someone up. I think back to when the movie Harriet come out and I was watching that with my daughters and how, you know, at the risk of her own life, she went back to free other slaves. As a people, we have lost some of that. We have gotten acculturated and acclimated into a predominant society, and we think that we have arrived, and we forget to reach back and bring others up. Ooh, that was so much sauce in that. I, I like that. Um, I'm going I'm to I'm let the, uh, the other answer get in here as well before I um, hop in on that as well. So, uh, so go ahead. So I'm going to come from a business and my personal opinion here from a business aspect the reason why we don't share um what we make like brandy said is we're encouraged not to and from mm -hmm. a business aspect that's great because then it won't increase what would you call it i want to say anger amongst your in competition and then that just kind of creates chaos in the workplace so we mm -hmm. kind of keep that quiet so we don't have, well, how come that person's making $10,000 more than me? And the thing about salary, there's too many variables in deciding a salary. Just because someone has a PhD doesn't mean they are a better worker or better fit for a position that someone that just has a high school diploma who worked their way up and learned through experience. So how do you measure those things quantifiably by salary? So if you say this person and this person both have the same position and make the same amount of money, but the person with the PhD may feel like, well, how come is this person making this, the same amount as me, but they don't have the PhD? I went to school, but they may have worked their way, their butt off to get to that position through the company, through their experience. So it's like, how do you, you got to, kind of separate some of that comparison. Another thing is we have not been taught as a society, let alone our own black culture to talk about money. Money is taboo. Mm -hmm. It is a no, no. And it's not okay to talk about it. It's not okay to talk about how much money you make, uh, whether it's being humble or out of shame, whatever it is, it's not okay for us to talk about how much we make, which it doesn't help. It doesn't help when someone uh, wants to get to a position and it's like, well, how come I got paid $20,000 less than you and you just left this position? What we're also not taught, especially for women, is to negotiate our salary. Mm -hmm. From a business aspect, if I can offer this position to someone and pay them $20,000 less and they're just going to accept it, 
damn Skippy, I'm going to save that $20,000 for my bottom line. Right. Come on. You know what I mean? But not that I do that. I like to do the national average and based on what they're experiencing and what they're willing to, what they can bring to the table. But there's a lot of businesses that think like that, especially large corporations. And so if we're not taught to negotiate our pay, then we're already losing dollars. Mm-hmm. Thousands right. of dollars. And you, right. And you, you hit on so much. And I'm, I'm glad that you took it from that uh, perspective because, you know, businesses, of course, if they can get good talent for the low or get good talent at a discount, they're going to do it. I tell everyone who I advise or even just the clients that I work with outside of my nine to five, look, here, here is any business's disposition on the salary. I tell folks nine times out of 10, before you even get to that portion of the conversation, a range has already been determined for you, number uh-huh. one. Mm-hmm. Another thing is offers tend to be, and I know there's going to be a few companies that are the exceptions, which is great, but a lot of the you know, average companies, you know, they tend to, their first offer tends to either be somewhere around the 50th or maybe even like around the 75th percentile. So basically, you know, I like to tell folks, you know, companies like to start in the middle. You know, we don't see as much, and I know sometimes it may feel different, but we typically don't see as much like lowballing going on. But we also don't see companies say, you know what, here's our max. This is what we can do. We can't go a dollar more, right? We don't see that at all. And when we think about, to your point, uh, Tina, I feel like the lack of lessons or the lack of teaching us as a people about negotiating and just talking about money, I feel like it does hurt us. Like, you know, there's more hurt that can be done by not talking about something versus hurt that may cause, let's just say, a much needed or a civil unrest at an organization or within the business. Because you was mentioning earlier that, you know, hey, if I can, if I can get away with paying someone on the low, we good to go. Or, hey, you know, I don't want to start no riot. But when you think about it, or at least when I think about it, you know, well, there wouldn't be no need for a riot to be started if you just paid everyone, you know, mm-hmm. not only what their worth is, but also competitively. You know, mm-hmm. yes, salaries and all that are determined on budgets, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's one of those things where, at least with money, you know, it's, it's, how we, it's how most of us pay our bills. You know, I don't know if folks taking Bitcoin and Monopoly money yet, but, you know, <laughs> the, the cold hard cash is you know, what, what, what gets us from month to month or week to week or whatever your cycle is. So I think you bring up a lot of good things about that. And just thinking about Black Girl Financial Magic, Brandy, how, how, if at all yet, is the organization helping to not only recognize this mindset of less is more, but how is the organization making finances, making money, making investments, making savings, making all of these things less taboo? How is the organization moving the needle on that? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So the organization, the intent of the organization is so that we have a network of women who cover all 
aspects of the financial spectrum. So to your point, we have women who are super, super gifted in stock market versus uh, long-term and short-term day trading. We have women who have uh, retired early because of their investment in real estate and how to navigate that market. And so what Tina and I are most excited about is we can tap into this network of women who independently have you know, strong businesses and marketing and all their social media to present this content to the community, but then they also join in with us as a network to help each other learn from each other and to continue reshaping the message that we present to our community. And that's why I'm really excited uh, for this episode to talk about the summit, that Tina was the spearhead for that, because the summit allowed us to showcase showcase the women in our network, the content that they provide, but then also to kind of really uh, remove some of the mystery, if you will, surrounding the conversation of money. And a lot of the women share from their personal experiences, as well as gave a practical, actionable tip to those who were in the audience. So it was a really good opportunity. And I think that event is really kind of what set our organization as a huge resource, as a human resource, if you will, for our community. No, and you and you hit the nail on the head. And I was actually getting ready to ask and follow up with, you know, <laughs> well, for those who aren't as familiar with, you know, the summit that you held and all of the events that transpire within it, you know, what would you want people to know about that? Well, women specifically, because look, my brain over here trying to include men and I'm gonna keep us separate for this for this conversation. But where do where do you want where do you want women to, to get from this, whether, you know, they're working at, you know, the restaurant, working at Amazon, if they're rocking and rolling as an engineer, an HR professional, what what do you what do you want them to get and the need that they need to join in on this uh, moving forward? So I'm actually going to let Tina answer that question because this started with her. But I want to address your comment. Black girl financial magic is not only for women of color. The organization is a network of black women financial professionals, but we service everyone. Um, we service men. We service other cultural groups. We service anyone who is interested in learning more about various financial topics. So no need to apologize for including men because the members of our network, they totally uh, support and serve all people. But our intent as an organization, Black Girl Financial Magic, is to provide a network for other women of color. For example, say I'm working with a client and we're doing goal setting and then she decides she needs some real estate advice. I don't specialize in real estate, but because she's comfortable with me and she's a woman of color, I would love to have the opportunity to refer her to another woman of color who can meet the need that she has. That does a couple of things. One, it strengthens our community as black professionals. And secondly, it also shows women and men that we're serving that there are people who look just like them who are more than qualified to serve them. So I wanted to kind of clear that one up. But I want to also bounce it over to Tina and let her kind of talk about what those who are watching the summit or who are not as familiar with the summit, what they can expect and what they can benefit by um, joining in with the summit. Tina, go ahead, take it away. And yeah, to Brandy's point, uh, we're really open to the public 
we have an amazing network that has a wide variety of wisdom and experience and knowledge to share. And that's what this summit was really about, was pulling all that knowledge into one spot for the public. Now, we do attract majority Black women, but that doesn't mean we're not for everybody. And what we really want to accomplish with the summit and the content in it is good for any time. It's evergreen. You can pop in at any time. We had 12 days. Each day was a different topic. And what we really wanted people to walk away with, and as Brandy said, every single speaker had pulled themselves up from a bad financial situation. There was no you know, inheritance to help them out. They literally spent years studying what they are really great at right now, whether it's real estate investing um, in the stock market or fixing their credit or, you know, I need to save some money. So I'm going to learn some tips and tricks to do that. They've all started with nothing. And what we want to accomplish, especially with everything going on with COVID, there's a lot of people who lost jobs. There are a lot of people might be feeling like there's no hope. And we wanted to change that with their stories and with their knowledge. So in going through this summit, they're going to learn from beginning to end on how to save their money, how to fix their credit. And now that they have extra money saved, what can they do with that money to make it work for them? Whether it's starting a side hustle or getting into real estate investing or investing into the stock market. And towards the end of the summit, we talk about planning for your future okay, now you're financially free. What are we going to do that? What does that mean for your legacy? What does it mean for the next generation? So the main thing with that is it doesn't matter where you are right now that you can accomplish becoming financially free. You can accomplish becoming a millionaire um, just by taking the small baby steps that all our speakers have shared for everyone to do. And no, I want to uh, first, you know, thank Brandy for clarifying because brandy was like uh-uh hold up i'm not about to <laughs> make it seem like you know it's only for women i you you, you be sounding so professional and i, I enjoy it but sometimes y'all and look i haven't met brandy or tina in person yet i'm gonna find i'm gonna figure out a way to do it but you know y'all you know she she be sounding so nice and professional y'all better be reading between the emotion because brandy like hey what we not about to do is make it seem like this is only for women. We love everybody, and everybody needs that patient. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. But no, thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Tina, as well. And, you know, to your point, it's, it's so important. And I want to, since we clarify things, I want to make sure that even just moving forward with these events, like anyone can attend, correct? Yes. Okay, it's perfect. Open for everybody. Then, okay, perfect. I love it. And then just if we're if we're talking about the event more, you know, why you know, why why would I want to if I'm just thinking about this event, you know, what about this event that you all are proud of that really helped not only attendance but really entice people to uh come out? I know it was over the course of some days and I think um you know, I think the the breadth, the topics were amazing, but, you know, what are some of those things that you've seen based on feedback from this year's attendees that you want to make sure everybody gets and understands? The biggest feedback that we received 
was everyone loved that the speakers gave actual tips in every session. Um, most of our speakers either gave a free gift, like a workbook, something people could take action right then and there, or get a free consultation. Uh, and the biggest response we got towards the end, uh, now that we have it as a, an all-access pass, is that you can come back to the content and again and again because there's so much things to do. So once you start on one thing like savings and tackling your debt, then you can watch the next couple of sessions again to start, okay, now what do I do with the extra money that I have saved? And so the biggest feedback was that is that they now understood that it's a holistic view. You can't just start investing in the stock market. Um, you right. have to kind of repair your relationship with money and be honest with yourself. But that doesn't mean you can't go from where you're at and be where you want to be. You just got to take those baby steps towards that. Okay. No, I, and I think number one is it's so cool just to hear you all not only talk about that kind of feedback because you, you really don't hear a lot of that from just different conferences in general. So thank you for that. But one thing I want to make sure that we talk about, and I know we briefly mentioned this, Tina, when we were originally talking, but this idea of the black tax and once you make it, you know, what are your responsibilities to your family, your friends, to anyone? And what does that look like from your perspective as a woman? And, you know, how may that differ? from other perspectives. Do other do other races and genders got taxes like that? <laughs> Brandy, you giggle. I'm going to let you start. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just the way that ended. Um, so, wow. I, I feel like the black tax as a topic for conversation can go, it's almost a fork in the road. Um, there are situations and instances where some family groups will, in essence, tax or demand or require or feel like another dependent on a person financially. And I think that's the, the stereotype that we are accustomed to discussing when, like you mentioned, you have arrived at some sort of financial position and those of your family members who are not at that position um, have an expectation that you're going to fund their lifestyle because you now have additional financial resources. That to me is the easy topic. What, what I often want to challenge us to think about the black tax is taking ownership back from the, the common stereotype and really asking ourselves, do I have a responsibility to help those who need help? You mentioned this earlier, Matthew, there's a difference between passing down generational resources and someone squandering them versus someone who never had generational resources passed down to them. So in essence, the stereotype of the black tax is, well, I've made it and now I have to take care of them. But really, I think the conversation needs to be broadened and we need to begin asking ourselves, maybe it's not financial support that they need. Perhaps it's emotional support. Perhaps it's mindset support. Perhaps it's access to additional resources like education or moving into a better district so they can go to better schools. I think the black tax as a broader conversation should also not necessarily be negative, but it can also be a responsibility towards those who need the help. 
No, and I, and I like how you're going going about thinking about that. We we oftentimes do focus on, you know, hey, I made it. All right, let me get to your house. Let me get to your car. Let me throw you some cash. You know, sometimes uh-huh. it's, that can be the, the easiest and arguably cheaper kind of resource to tap into versus saying, you know what? You know, yes, I know I'm here now, but why don't I think about or why don't I take this time to put those resources into, I don't know, handling mental health or, uh-huh. you know, hey, if I am going to give you some money, you know, hey, let's go back and get that bachelor's degree that you, you know, you always, you know, been wanting to, to finish up. All right, cool. I'll, I'll take care of books or, you know, just something that's less transactional and that's right. more transformational. And you, you bring up a good point on that. have seen in the media, right? We've seen football players, we've seen music stars who have given so much to their entourage and then they come out later and they're like, oh, I'm broke. And you look and you're like, but you gave everybody else so much financially. And so we have this negative impression and we say black tax as if these people, you know, are the IRS and we owe them. Um, and so I can see how it makes it a lot easier to say, oh, my God, the black tax. But something I've learned from Tina with mindset is if we take back the power of the negative words and begin really empowering ourselves to take control, then it's not so much a tax as in I owe you, but it's more so I have chosen to take on this responsibility to support you. And if I do it in other ways besides monetary, it doesn't always feel like a tax. Right. And, and that's a good point. You know, like just and this is this question is to either who wants to answer it. But, you know, what what are some of those things or some of those, I guess, worries or concerns that, you know, for most of us that are, you know, still working on making it, whatever that looks like and still waiting to hit that point. You know, what what are some of those things that, you know, you all may feel that are still giving us pause? It's like, OK you know, I want to do this, but, you know, are they, they being like family, friends, whoever, you know, if I say, hey, I want to help you go back to school, they may be mad and be like, no, where's my Mercedes at? Or no, you know, where's, where's my house at? Where's this, where's that? You know, what, what are some, some of those things that you feel like that are still giving people pause on that? Brandon, if you don't mind me, I'll answer this or with my. We want you to answer this and this is in your wheelhouse. Uh, I, as a mindset coach, have been studying so much about money mindset in the past like two and a half years. And a lot of us will not go out and get those promotions or will undercharge for our services because we have these money stories, these limiting beliefs. And black tax is just another thing that's keeping us from really stepping up and being successful. For a lot of people, feeling that burden that they need to take care of other people when they become successful will on a subconscious level keep them from actually reaching that high up because they're not going to feel like their money is theirs because once they get successful then all these people are going to come out in the woodworks mm-hmm. and ask for money or they think that all these people are going to come out and ask for money. We hear the stories about everyone's like, man, when I win the lottery, I'm not putting my name in the newspaper. I'm going to be anonymous because they're worried about all these people coming out and asking for, asking for the money. 
how we handle that, what we really need to do as a culture, and this is not everybody, I'm just, this is in general, is we got to stop with an entitlement mindset. And for those of us who have made it, instead of just giving the money away, what is it, that parable in the Bible? Don't just give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he's fed every day. I probably messed that up. But what we need to think about as leaders, when we get successful, when we make money, that we're willing to help. It doesn't necessarily need to be financial. If someone's hungry for the information and willing to work for it, let's help them. Let's pull them up. Let's bring them up to where we're at. And for the ones that just expect money to be given to them, we got to change that mindset. Yeah. And that's, and that's so true. But, you know, I was just thinking, I was like, man, you know, so Brandy, Tina, you know, I can't be one of y'all cousins and y'all won't, y'all ain't going to let me, y'all not going to let me hold 30,000. You know, I got this, uh, you know, the hustle <laughs> I'm trying to start, you know, but, you know, I really need to get started or, you know, you know, we can't go and start, you know, some sort of investment pool and, you know, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand back, but you got to give me 30,000 first. You know, we, we can't do none of that. Oh. <laughs> because look, I, I love cousins. I love cousins, quote unquote, that just pop out of the woodworks and be wanting investments and stuff. It'd be cracking me up sometimes, but no, I, I more seriously, I think, I think you all have been hitting on so many, different aspects you all gonna make me just based off of this topic by itself gonna make me do so many spinoffs and really just digging into things that while we're not going to tackle it on this episode but really can be their own standalone topics but one of the other things that I wanted to get you all's kind of feedback so yes black girl financial magic is for everyone and yes it does you know focus on black women but have you have you all seen or noticed any when we talk about financial issues or literacy have you all seen any I guess group of women who are doing it or faring a little better than other groups of women are there any individual differences when we talk about women as a whole that you've all noticed state that question ask it a different way Sure. So have you all seen, so we, we talk about, you know, some of the issues and struggles that uh, black women, women of color, things of that nature have. Are white women doing any better in this or have y'all noticed any, any differences or is it just collectively, you know, women as a whole, you know, taking the L? Gotcha. So I'm part of a national organization as an association of financial counselors. And they serve people from all communities. And what I have observed is historically, women are still not having financial conversations as frequently and as in-depth as men. Um, A lot of that has to do with the good old boys club. You know, men will share information with men uh, more readily than they will share with women. And so to Tina's point a moment ago, we don't have the same negotiation skills. We don't have the same insights as to what an equitable wage would be. And so I think in general, 
women are a pace or two behind men when it comes to the financial conversation. But what's positive and encouraging about that is women are now becoming so much more aware of the gaps that they are taking steps to educate and empower themselves. And so while we are excited to be part of Black Girl Financial Magic, we recognize that we're part of a larger community of women who are educating themselves and jumping into the financial conversation. So yeah, all women essentially um, have been affected, but are also taking measures to change the narrative. And I'd like to add that, re, and this is my observation, it's women of every race are winning as long as they set their mind to it and they're doing really well. I've seen it in our community and the FinCon community. I think what's the disadvantage is for women of color, um, the Latina community, and especially the Asian American community for females, is we're not seeing each other win, so we don't know that it's a possibility that it's out there. And that's part of the vision and mission of Black Girl Fund Magic is mm-hmm. elevating our network's voices, elevating them and putting them out there to show other women of color. It's like, oh, I can do it. So it's an inspiration. So it's not that one race is doing better than the other as a female. It's there's not enough of us out there being promoted to show that it can be done. Gotcha. You know, that was that was a very great point that you made. And just even thinking about, you know, when you mentioned, you know, women out here winning, because we know y'all are. And I think it's it's one of those things where platforms like mine, hopefully platforms like yours and just so many other platforms can really kind of join together and really amplifying these results, for lack of better words, but really just you know, really spotlighting some of the awesome things that women are not only doing in the workplaces, but also in business and finance, like we've been talking about, so that, you know, it's it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, as we all start to hear more and more about those successes, more and more about those stories, even more of those comeback kind of situations, I think there'll be a collective in a sense, empowerment to where, you know what? I see, I see what she's doing over here. Okay, I see you. I see you. You're breaking, you breaking some ceilings over there. All right, I like it. And, you know, the more and more that's being shown, and obviously we can go on all day long about some of the intentionalities behind stopping that kind of movement, but, you know, the more that we, we see this happening, I think it'll ultimately be better for everyone and it and it just and it just makes sense so you know we've we've hit so many subjects so many many subjects so many seasons in of itself worth of content and i just want to thank you both for jumping on i appreciate y'all this has been a dope conversation thank you for having us yeah thank you it was a lot of fun yeah no worries and i will say you know before we go you know i always love to do two things. So here's the first thing I'm going to do for both of y'all. This question is for both of y'all. Given that, you know, we're going through COVID and Corona times and all that, let's take a brief moment and do a mental check-in. So how y'all doing? How's things looking like in your areas? You know, how have you all been managing 
these stay-at-home times or if your state is open, how are you managing, you know, the state being back open? So I'm in Texas and our state is opening, in my opinion, too quickly. But uh, I'm doing well because this is the last week of school at home. So no more assignments for me to turn in for little people, which feels like right. a huge win for me. So I'm doing well. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, Texas, Texas, you know, I won't pick on Texas too bad, but I, I, I just, <laughs> I'll just say I'm eating my popcorn from a safe difference over here in California. So. You know, hopefully it don't be no second wave or nothing, but right. we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, I'm in Arizona. We haven't had as big of cases as everybody else, but there is still a concern that we're opening up too early. Uh, we just opened up on the 15th and our governor is doing a slow rollout. For me, uh, in my own community here in Tucson, it's such a tight-knit group here that you know, when businesses, especially the restaurants are able to open up, they're like, no, we're not opening up. We'll still need to go. We'll figure out how to slowly open up. And the whole community's like, we are behind you. So I'm very, very grateful for my community here. For me, I'm an introvert, so I've been training for this my whole life. Uh, <laughs> I already work from home, but I will say, because uh, I've kind of been in quarantine for the past two and a half months, is even with my little introvert self, I do miss having the option to just go to the coffee shop, you know, every once in a while. Um, but other than that, mentally checking in, I just make sure I go outside and get some exercise or some, some sun, get some vitamin D uh, and take some time to rest and recharge. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I kind of, I'm kind of going to agree with you on this one, Tina, you know, I'm a, I'm a introvert as well. And it's like, you know, luckily I feel number one, blessed and grateful to still be working because so many folks are, you know, not as lucky or still trying to navigate that process. Number two, you know, just as a fellow parent, you know, I'm definitely thankful. My kid's not school age. I got a two-year-old girl and a seven-month-old boy, but they daycare never closed. So, you know, just being able to, you know, let them go and hang out and, you know, run around and all that during the day, that helps me on my sanity. And then even just when I think about my wife, she's, uh, she's essential uh, due to her working with the uh, elderly population. So, you know, things are looking good out here. Uh, some of the counties and cities we're going into our phase two, but we're, we're getting there slowly, but surely, but um, I'm glad to hear that you all are doing good. And I promise this is the last thing that I wanted to to touch on. (laughs) What's next? And, for either one of y'all can answer on this. What's next for Black Girl Financial Magic? What can we look forward to? What can we expect? You know, what's what's going on? Wow. <laughs> well, first, thank you again, Matthew, for this opportunity. Um, we currently have we released last year a financial boss kit. So we have that on our site as well as the summit so folks can check in. Um, our next big thing and Tina's always getting on me because she moves a little faster than I do sometimes, but our next thing (laughs) is rolling out a membership. We really want to elevate uh, the services that we provide to those in our network, as well as um, meeting their needs more specifically. So that's probably the next big thing, but Tina, jump on in if 
something else comes to your mind that we might be rolling out before the membership? Uh, no, I, this month, uh, we had a black girl fin magic, like talk show last year, but we put it on hiatus. Not sure if we're bringing that back fully, but with it being mental health awareness month, we really wanted to talk about the topic of money and mental health. So we're having that go off on May 26th live on our YouTube and our Facebook page. So people can watch the replay if they're not able to attend. Um, we might be doing, and what we do on the show is really talk about the tough topics, kind of like your podcast. And we bring in ladies from our network to be panelists and kind of talk about that. And then we bring in the public to join in in the discussion, ask questions. But our major big thing for Black Girl from Magic is finding a better way to support our network and helping advance their voices out into the public more. And we're going to start with the membership and we'll see where it goes. We're just taking it one day at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, above all, you know, that's, that's all we can do. So no, it is great to hear that, you know, and there's much more to come. I'm excited. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the sidelines cheerleading. And again, I just want to thank you all for not only joining me, but also having this amazing conversation. There's so much more we could get into, but I promise, or I like to promise, my episodes not be too long. So thank you all again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having thank us. So much for having yeah, and for those of you all that want to keep the conversation going, reach out to them, connect to them. Brandy, Tina, can you all share your social media? How can folks stay in contact with you? Well, at the organization is at Black Girl Fin, F-I-N, which is short for financial, at Black Girl Fin Magic. Uh, we have Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of that. Uh, to connect with me personally, just visit BrandyBaxter.com. That's Brandy with the Y. BrandyBaxter.com, and there's links to all my social media there. Yeah, those are all the social media. If you want to learn more from us, we're going to have our blog come back at blackgirlfinmagic.com. And you can reach me on either Instagram personally at ProfitProjectCo or email me at tinamarie at ProfitProject.co. Nice. Well, no, thank you for all for sharing that. And for those of you all that are already familiar, you can continue to join the conversation, listen, and when in doubt, search us on any social media platform at Honest Human Resources Podcast. You can reach out to me on there. If you want to reach out to me individually, hit me up on Instagram. I don't care. At me and three Kirby's. And for those of you all that aren't aware, I do host a Black Fatherhood podcast as well. So shout out to the Dear Fathers podcast. We, we attack Black Fatherhood from all angles. And it's just some more dope conversation. So again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting. I really appreciate it. And you know how I do. Until next week, this has been another dope episode of the Honest Human Resources Podcast.